Hey everyone, today I'm joined by William Steele. He used to rob mansions and he knew a serial killer by the name of Robert Durst. Um, eventually, uh, ultimately, William went to prison. He did well, 18 years, William, was that correct? That's right, 18 years for nonviolent crime, unfortunately. And uh, he escaped and landed himself on the America's Most Wanted. Uh, since then, William has changed his life. He's wrote in a lot of books. And he's got a new show that he's a part of on the A&E network called Inmate to Roommate. Uh, please check that out. That's going to be coming up on August 18th. Um, it is. It is. Uh, please subscribe to his uh, YouTube channel. Uh, I'll put a link in the description. And, you know, if you want to get more interesting interviews like this, please subscribe to my channel. And without further ado, let's get into it. William, how you doing, man? All right. Thanks for having me back. Oh, yeah. Always, man. Uh, so, you know, uh, the last interview, you know, we talked about some things, you know, but we didn't really talk, touch on, you know, you going to prison, you know, what, what kind of happened with that? What was the situation? And you got 18 years, you know, you escaped, you know, kind of go into, into that. Well, I originally got 10 years and then I escaped and I got more time. So it ended into over, over 18 years. Um, I was in for nonviolent crimes, burglary, theft related crimes, I was a, uh, prior to that, I was a locksmith and alarm technician. I started using some coke. I went bad, started doing burglaries all over the country. And, uh, you know, I have this, they say I was one of the most prolific jewel and art thieves in the country. And this obviously not a real diamond, but it just kind of something I like having around. But, um, so I would break into safes. I picked locks, shut down alarm systems. And I did my thing. I worked alone mostly. And as a sideline, I was moving kilos of cocaine and firearms from South Florida up to New York, New York City. And uh, part of our operation was Michigan. Um, I was dealing with different cartel members and uh, back in the 80s and early 90s. Um, most of them are not around anymore from uh, Medellin, Colombia. And uh, one of the original cocaine cowboys, everybody's probably heard of that, was one of my main connections. He was an assassin and big trafficker, you know, multimillionaire working under Pablo Escobar. So I wasn't close to Escobar or those guys, but his Colombian guys in South Florida, I was tight with a couple of them and uh, would run, you know, 20, 30 kilos at a time, South Florida to New York. So I didn't drink. I didn't smoke weed. I didn't do anything like that. But I did use a lot of coke back in those days. And I, I'm not trying to glorify my past. But now that I did all this time when I was in prison, I took some college courses. I got involved with ministry activities. And I really had a, a, a an awakening, you know, like, you know, <laughs> this life is really no good, man. I haven't spoken, to, you know, to my kids and my family turned on me and, you know, I, I had an inheritance stolen from me. So a lot of things caused me to see the light and just realize that I want to do something different and better. And my mother was mentally ill before I went in all my life. I was protecting her. She was bullied. And so I've always had this in me to help, you know, women and children and the mentally ill. And so I figured, well... I have enough time to think and take some classes. I started writing books. And all I wanted to do when I got out is help people, turn these experiences around from my past to help people. Now I've been out a few months. I have a TV show. Uh, A&E Network is a great network. It's a reality show. And it's a docuseries about holding down recidivism by finding out when prisoners get out and they're not going back home to their family, in my case, because of falling out with my family, um, and they end up with a friend or a stranger, somebody who was a stranger. How does that relationship and what happens in that environment? And they, everybody brings their own baggage to the equation. So it's really a groundbreaking series 
Uh, the producers have also made Love After Lockup and, uh, you know, 90 Day Fiance. However, my show by the same people is on a better network. As you can see, A&E, A&E is the way to go. So A&E has been wonderful. They gave me an opportunity. Not only they give me an opportunity to have a show and explain about that process um, and really some troubling things that transpire throughout. It's really very drama filled. You got to watch it. It airs in a few days on A&E. But uh, they also gave me an opportunity, even on the show, to discuss my writing projects, my books, my crime victim advocacy going forward, because I'm starting up a podcast. And if you go to official William Steele, and I ask your viewers and your TikTok people and your all your outlets, please go to official William Steele. I'm trying to earn an honest living. I'm trying to build up my base and uh, want people to start paying attention to my podcast. It's going to be launched full time very soon. So that's what the show is basically all about, getting on your feet with people you didn't necessarily know before and everything that all – all the things that happen. I can't give away more than that, but I will tell you, you're in for a wild ride if you watch this series. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, putting all these kind of different people and personalities into, uh, you know, a, a house together, I mean, it's got to be – it's got to be something, you know, I mean, in this – because you know everybody has their own backgrounds and their own opinions and stuff so there might have been things that you might not have got along on and stuff like that but you know at the end of the day you both are everyone just got out of prison and trying to make a better living for themselves so i think it's, it sounds like a really good good series to me man let me explain it this way i'm a new york city guy born and raised in brooklyn i've been all over the country doing illegal things and you know south florida california las vegas and so i get out and you know, my people are in those locations. I don't go there. And I can't give away too much because I'm not allowed to give away spoilers or anything. But the trailer just came out. There's four trailers out now. And it clearly shows how I'm now living in the, you know, in the Midwest. And, you know, it's it's Elkhart, Indiana. And this is where we filmed. And it shows a guy like me coming from the city living with a Midwestern family who are really, really strict, devout Seventh-day Adventists and how that unwound, you know, and wound and wound and unwound. And, you know, so you're going to see some uh, crazy things and differences of personalities and opinion, agreement on certain things and, and other things. Just Again, I can't say too much. Please watch the show, Inmate to Roommate. I appreciate it. Yeah, and, you know, and another thing, too, you know, coming out of prison, you know, after 18 years, it's got to be like a, everything had to be a whole different world. You know what I mean? So I'm sure you you probably, real, you know, had some experiences in that show as well that you, you probably touched on, you know, like trying to adapt to certain things. What what was uh, something that you had to adapt to when you came out that was kind of well, weird? Let me tell you something. I'm a true crime author now, victim advocate. I write books. Ghislaine Sensational and Pure about my relationship with Ghislaine Maxwell and about my acquaintanceship with wealthiest serial killer in American history, Robert Durst. I have two more books coming out. Because of what I do now, I have to learn social media, which did not exist when I went to prison. So I don't have to just navigate one and then, you know, maybe you got exposed to one at a time, you know. All of them are out now, and I need to be on all those platforms, and I am. Official William Steele, please subscribe. So learning social media, guess what? Smartphones didn't exist. This thing here, I have to use this every day now. I make videos on it. You know, I I, I do all kinds of things that everybody else does on these things. And, uh, you know, I get stuck all the time. Smartphones didn't exist when I went to prison. 
So I have a, uh, my beautiful fiance, Dr. Mary Bass. She's a forensic accountant and a, a, a fraud examiner, a civilian fraud examiner. And she's been such a blessing to help me understand this technology because I'd be completely lost without her. But so, yes, the technology's changed, the cars, the look of the cars, the capabilities, lighting systems. I see different types of lighting that didn't necessarily exist or they weren't that prominent. Um, something called Bitcoin. I don't know. There's like machines and convenience stores, a Bitcoin machine. I'm like, what the hell is a Bitcoin to begin with? And what does that machine do? Do I, do I get a coin? Why would I put money in something and get what I see is counterfeit money that the government's never going to, you know, like that people are doing an alternate currency. So there's so many things that are new. It's just, it's just mind boggling. Yeah. Um, I flew to California a couple of times, you know, to see my fiance and, and uh, handle, I went to the, the Robert Durst trial. He went on trial for murder and I went out there to do a book signing and uh, go to the trial and just even be on an airplane after so long, you know, the airlines have changed. I came out in time of COVID. I was getting released. There was guys dying all around me in the prison. It was uh, it was horrible. I didn't think I'd make it out alive. It was just just a, a lot of death, and they didn't care. And a lot of guys wouldn't bother wearing a mask or being careful. You know, whether you believe in vaccines or masks or not, uh, va uh, vaccines or masks or not, you're in an environment where you're witnessing people getting taken out on stretchers and dying, and their family members are allowed to see them when they're chained up on a ventilator, taking their last breath. They let them go to the hospital. And they're writing back to the prisoners saying, this is what's going on. And still nobody was taking it serious, you know. But anyway, I tried to stay away from anybody. I got out. I've got a show. And so everything's, everything's changed, man. It's, it's, it's great. Yeah. It's intimidating at the same time, too. But I'm just grateful. And I'm humbled to have these opportunities. Yeah. And, you know, kind of go into your books. Because we talked about, you know, Ghislaine Maxwell's, you know, that book on the part one, you know, but I, we didn't really touch on uh, Robert Durst and who he was and what your relationship was with him. Robert Durst comes from the uh, the Durst family in New York. They control, I don't know, probably 40, 50 percent of New York City real estate. Um, families, billionaires. He's still worth, well, he just passed away. But up until his death, probably about $100 million and he was in jail. Um so Robert Durst and I met in the early 80s. Um, I used to, when I had all this jewelry and cocaine with me, I didn't generally have partners. So I would always be armed and I wasn't a hitman or anything, but I used to like guns. I used to like silencers. So all my guns, my pistol would have a silencer. I'd open a briefcase, jewelry or coke, but there'd be a pistol with a silencer. And I would let the jewelers and the fences and the traffickers see that I'm always armed with a gun with a silencer. So to send a, a send, at the time, it sent a certain message that I'm not to be screwed with, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, people took that seriously. And over time, you know, hey, I need this person killed. You want to do it? You know, can you do this? Can you? So as I got to know him and he wanted Susan Berman killed, I'm one of the people that he approached. Um, I don't know who else he approached, but anyway, so that happened in Florida. I spell it out in, this, in the book that's back here, Sex and the Serial Killer, My Bizarre Times with Robert Durst wealthiest serial killer in American history. He just got convicted in Los Angeles for killing Susan Berman, a mutual friend of ours. Um, and he died of COVID right, right after he was sentenced a few months ago. So my other book is about my unfortunate relationship with Ghislaine Maxwell. I knew her. I had relations with her and a couple of her adult assistants. I wasn't, you know, I, I saw the people coming and going, but I didn't get involved with any of that because a lot of them that they said were models and masseuses look, you know, too young and all that. And 
you know, I felt they were trying to lure me into a situation, which I know now is I would have been on film and like everybody else's who, who uh, fell for that, you know, they, they ended up blackmailing everybody. So those two books are doing pretty good and appreciate it. If somebody goes to Amazon, checks them out or go to the description link and uh, purchase the books again, trying to earn an honest living. I admire the victims of uh, Maxwell and Epstein because they were actually inspiration for me to come forward and write of my experiences, what happened to me. Because in that book, you're going to read about how I barely made it out of the, the mansion in Palm Beach alive uh, on the last day I ever saw Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, it didn't end good, and I barely got out of there with my life, and I detail it in the book. And matter of fact, I just traveled down. I'm still in Indiana filming my TV show, but I just traveled down there about a week ago, and did some footage in Palm Beach, and I went to film the house uh, for my podcast and for some other stuff. And when I drove up El Brillo Way back to the house, uh, Epstein's old house, there was a big privacy fence, and you look in there, and it's been leveled to the ground. There's nothing there. They tore the whole house down. I didn't know that. So I have a lot of footage of you know, my reaction to that. Uh, we're going to be putting that up on my, my true crime channel. I was hoping to be able to get in there because I actually left something you know, inside of a closet that would, that would prove that I was there at that time, uh, aside from what I took out of there and I got to authorities. But so that's about my books. I wrote the one about Robert Durst while I was still in prison. Delane Maxwell came out a few months ago and I have two more coming out. One about my life in general and another one about my faith journey, about how I do have a strong faith. And I do believe that God got me through a lot of these circumstances to then save me from myself and my own poor choices to then be able to help people and tell my stories. And so I've been invited to universities, colleges, churches, and I'm hoping to start lining up a lot more uh, interviews as well. That'd be good. That'd be a good way to promote it. And uh, so uh, one thing I was going to ask you is, so when you were uh, with the whole Maxwell thing, you were able to cooperate with the feds then? And or who, who did you cooperate with? And it wasn't even a matter of cooperating. They, they've known uh, what I have to say for quite some time. I put a victim impact statement in on, on her trial just before her sentencing. And I removed things from the house that were likely highly incriminating. And I turned them into two different agencies many years ago. I don't even know what became of those things because they were covering up for them for so long. They were able to get away with this for many years. Um, so I don't know who that material ultimately went to when they say the feds. There were so many agencies investigating them. But her claim to me was they were getting information about the investigation. They knew this was coming down on them, which is why ultimately, again, because we always flashing guns around, she ran by me a scenario where she wanted to have Jeffrey Epstein killed. And Jeffrey had showed me videos in the house of, of very prominent people. I couldn't even leave the room because there was a security guy there. He wouldn't let me out. And, and he was pissed that I had pulled a gun on him previously. So, Read the book. It explains why I couldn't get out of the room. But anyway, he showed me these videos where you have Andrew having sex, Prince Andrew having sex with minors. You have uh, people like Hillary Clinton having sex with young girls, more than one, um, and several other people who you know I've named in different interviews and who I didn't name yet because it's just uh, they know who they are and they're on video. And so, like again, you have to really, really get the gist of everything through the book and. Uh, watching some other interviews, you know, I'd be glad to come on a longer time. I know for today we have a limited amount of time. Yeah. Uh, and 
So what happened to uh, Ghislaine now? I mean, I really don't even know. I haven't uh, dived into it too much. Is she still around? Ghislaine Maxwell, I... Ghislaine Maxwell went on trial in New York City, Southern District of New York, for multiple counts of uh, sex trafficking and I think a perjury charge um, for helping Epstein and Black, you know, getting these young girls for him and for them to have, you know, threesomes and for them to give to prominent people. And then they would film them and they would blackmail all these prominent people. Well, she just got sentenced. Uh, I forget how much it was for, maybe 20 years or 40 years. I forget, just a few weeks ago. But I, I did put a victim impact statement. I've been in counseling for several years, um, you know, over the situation. And again, I don't see myself as a victim per se because I put myself in a situation. But once I'm restrained and drugged because she put something in my drink. So once you do that to somebody, there's no more consent. So I might have liked what was going on initially, but then when I'm saying, let me the F out of here, you know, I, I had to tell her what she wanted to hear to get myself unrestrained. And then for a few, you know, several hours, act like everything was okay so I can get the hell out of the house. That's the last time I saw her. But anyway, so yeah, she's convicted. And uh, I think they sent her to some, you know, laid back federal prison in Florida somewhere. And, you know, she's probably eventually going to roll over on people because, that's what people do. Everybody gets an opportunity to cooperate. So they'll put her in witness protection, but she won't be safe anywhere because a lot of these people are heads of state and politicians and celebrities, and she won't be safe no matter where she is. And she's very recognizable. They'd have to put her in New Zealand or Australia or somewhere, you know, where people are not going to hurt her. But yeah, she's a, she's at severe danger. I don't, I don't think she'll be around uh, too much longer. So you do think she will cooperate and eventually get out then? I'm sorry? You, so you do think that's what will happen? She'll cooperate and end up getting out and going and witness? I think she's, do, she's doing it now. They're lining up their next cases. Keep in mind, the New York field office of the FBI that was investigating all this is the public corruption squad. She's not a public official. Neither was Epstein. So if that squad's on it, who else are they investigating in connection to what they were doing? Having sex with minors and filming it and all that. So it's, it's, there's a whole lot more to it that we don't really know. <laughs> a whole lot more to it. Yeah. I, I can't even divulge some of the things I know because they're still under investigation concerning them. But I'm quite confident she's not going to, I don't know, what is she, 60 years old? I don't think she wants to stay in prison until she's uh, 70, 80, or 90. You know, She's probably going to cut a deal for maybe cut it down to five years and witness protection program in another country. Yeah. They'll make a deal with the government to take her somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's probably what will happen, you know. I mean, I mean, like you you, you factored in all these things, and I don't know. I guess we'll just see how it plays out. I mean, the only time will tell, but, you know, you, you've had some really uh, unfortunate dealings with her and, you know, a lot of other people. So, you know, I'm glad you were able to uh, write these books, you know, get out of prison and, you know, just really try and get on the right path, you know, especially with being on the new show. I mean, you got a lot of good stuff coming and, you know, people should really check out your stuff. And like you said, a lot of people are already gravitating to it, man. So, I mean, you've only been out 14 months. So, I mean, you got, you got, there's still a lot of more time to do, man. You get, you, you, you're just starting to scratch the surface. You know what I mean, That's right. every day I drive down the street and I remember that I'm out of prison after all that time is a good day. And the, I'm just so grateful for my freedom. I'm humbled by, you know, my early fans. I have some incredible fans that are like really supportive. Um, and some people that, that haven't heard about this yet, but I encourage everybody, go to A&E, the 18th at 10 p.m., A&E Network. That's the show right there. Inmate to Roommate, it's called. And 
you're going to love the show. It's phenomenal. I'm, I'm grateful to A&E to give me the opportunity and to my producer, Joe Ruser, who uh, made it happen and uh, made you feel comfortable doing, doing it and telling, telling my story uh, from my point of view. Um, you know, I'm going to leave you a trailer, which your, your viewers can watch at the end of this. And hopefully uh, they can watch that trailer. It's only like a minute long. Yeah, so. no, I'll put it in here. Yeah. And uh, if you guys uh, ha haven't checked out his channel as well, uh, I'll put it in the link below. Uh, it's official William Steele. And kind of tell people what you do on there, what stories you give out. On official William Steele, it's a true crime site uh, on, on YouTube and Instagram yeah. and across everywhere else. But primarily I'm looking for subscribers to come to my YouTube uh, subscribe. It's true crime uh, telling stories like my stories maybe once a week. But I want to interview crime victim survivors. Like if your family member was murdered, I want to hear about those cases. I want to give you a spotlight if it's not being solved, if it's a cold case. I want to try to bring the investigators on to explain what the holdups are, what they're looking for, trying to look for witnesses to come forward. We're trying to really give some spotlight to the people who are crime victims. Um, the other part of what I'm doing there is uh, we're working with people that are wrongfully convicted of crimes, like Dr. Leslie Marlon Scholl, uh, federal crime with this guy, Charles Ray Smith. He set him up for no reason other than he stole money from him. Um, some other people, and also uh, David Michael Reinhardt. If you can go, guys can look him up at uh, freedavereinhardt.com. And his address is there. Write him letters of support. He's an innocent inmate in serving time in California. Uh, behind a probate uh, racket scam where he was swindled out of millions of dollars. And when he complained about it, they set him up and sent him to prison. So this is what we're doing. We're trying to give voice to the voiceless. Um, and all my books I write, all that's mended. Oh, excuse me. And all my books I write, all that's needed for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. I started off as that good man defending my mother, you know, going to college, working. And I went bad because of Coke and some poor choices. And it turned into quite a long time in prison and, you know, paying the consequences for it. So that's a quote by Edmund Burke. And I do put that at the beginning of all my books. So I just time to start doing the right thing. And that's not, not, uh, ended up my ass back in prison. I don't want to go there anymore. So <laughs> you've been there long enough, you know, <laughs> that's right. That's all right. I'm over it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on William. I do. And, you know, thanks for the opportunity to do in this interview, man. All right. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Let's see.